1: Welcome to Intercepted, where we talk to an enemy fan going into uh, the upcoming Packers game. I'm Justice Mosqueda with Acme Packing Company. I'm here with uh, my co-host for, you know, the Wednesday show for SB Nation NFL show, um, NFL University, Kyle Posey from Niners Nation. Say what's up people, Kyle.
2: Yo, what up, man? It's a long time no talk, right?
1: Yeah, we only had like a, what, a meeting today, a podcast yesterday, uh group group chats since like uh what like 2014 or something like that
2: yeah. wow, <laughs> about man. which should lead us into our bet right
1: yeah so the reason i want to have kyle on is this has already become competitive between he and i um i'm not nearly probably as optimistic about winning this game as kyle is <laughs> but we have decided that uh, the loser of this game is going to have to go on to uh, NFL University and read off their worst takes uh, that they've posted on Twitter. So uh, if I lose, there's gonna be some there's gonna be a Pax and Lynch appearance. there's gonna be some uh, some Kaiser takes, probably some Drew Locke takes. Um, it's not gonna be good for your boy. so I'm definitely rooting for the Packers like even more than I usually would. But just like in general, Kyle, uh, I guess how are you feeling about this game? We were in vibes on the post-game show. We ended up with like like 7 out of 10 for the team. Like what, what are the vibes for San Francisco right now?
2: I honestly, so you know how, well, I'm, full disclosure, Florida State fan, Jimbo Fisher. When Jimbo runs his offense the first couple of weeks, like he holds everything close to the vest. That's what I feel like Kyle Shanahan's been doing just to unload for this game right here. And I feel quite confident.
1: So, why why do you see that? Say that he's holding things back. Is it Detroit coming back at the end of games? Um, I mean, I didn't I didn't watch uh, the Philadelphia game very closely, but from what my buddy Derek Claussen said, uh, it was a a great moment
2: to uh, push the propaganda of punts or turnovers. Is what he told me. <laughs> so they actually came out of the gate aggressive on offense, and then. Old Jimmy G missed a couple throws, and from there it's just like, nope, we're going to put our head down, we're going to run inside zone, we're going to throw a couple spot throws and get out of here, and that's exactly what they did. So uh, they really didn't show anything against Philly, and most of that is because the road, you know, a good defensive line, just a good team in general on both in both trenches. So I feel like that, both of those things had a lot to do with the offensive game plan after the fact, and I don't think that though, either of those things are going to be an issue this week.
1: So Joe Barry, defensively, I don't know if he has it in him to hide things through two weeks, but we aren't seeing the diversity on defense that we even saw in the preseason. Maybe it's a personnel thing. Um, You know, they weren't playing their starters in uh, the preseason, but they were using Oren Burks as a blitzer. Um, Isaiah McDuffie was hurt early on in the preseason, but once he came in, he was kind of playing that same role. He was finally activated this past week. I kind of think that, like, the Packers' best, the way, the best way to deploy their, their personnel is start Stokes instead of King and then probably play Jair inside because you want King and Stokes using the sideline as an extra defender. Obviously, that's going to be a little bit harder when Shanahan's playing with those uh, wide receivers basically like in the formation and, you know, they're not right. on the sideline. So it's tougher to use the sideline as a defender. But I do wonder if they're kind of hiding some of this, like, disguised blitz stuff for the Niners, knowing Niners were coming in week four. Um, you know, I don't think I mean they were probably I mean they were double digit favorites last week. They were they might internally have thought that they were that going into the New Orleans game and they just kind of caught them surprised by the game plan and how it ended up working out. So I I wonder if they have more uh in the chamber than they've really been showing, but Whenever your head coach comes out and says, yeah, I had to tell the D.C. to start, like, stop rushing four because we weren't getting home with <laughs> that's, four, that's never a great sign, you know?
2: Why should he have to say that? Like, what are we doing here? If you're not getting pressure, bring an extra rusher. Uh, football one one, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, the thing with Barry, right, I was kind of – because it was the preseason, right? you're more interested in the structure of how things work than the actual deployment. Cause the deployment doesn't matter because it's not being game planned. Right. So the structure looked fine. I mean, the structure is really no different than like kind of what the Steelers do, what Fangio does, but structure and deployment are very different things. And knowing when to call things in, in certain situations is as is absolutely a trait. Um, you know, LeFleur is great at being able to do that offensively from the sideline, which is still like that blows my mind that you could be an NFL head coach and a sideline play caller. Um, those are two very tough jobs.
2: Two very different uh, jobs, too.
1: Extremely. I mean, game day, it's completely different. Uh, just I, I that's I guess we could talk about that because we both have, uh, you know, boy genius head coach, offensive call, uh, offensive play callers. How, you You've. Have you called plays at that high school level? Because I know you. Uh, coach. Only
2: at the JV level, but not at the varsity level.
1: That's the same thing. I mean the 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 sight lines are the same. I mean sure. it's real sure. tough to call it from the sideline. I mean you literally cannot see the far sideline. No. <laughs> so you either have to trust the guy in your ear. I mean JV, you probably don't have a guy in the box, but. Um, that is a very tough thing to do. I mean, the fact that LaFleur and Shanahan are both able to do that, like, that, is, that is a gift. Like, I don't necessarily know, um, like, if a guy like Brian Dayball, right, got, like, a head coaching job, I don't know if
2: he'd be able to call plays the same way from the sideline while being a head coach. So where does LaFleur stand? Because Shanahan stands usually either 10 to 12 ahead or, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, where I feel like you get a better glimpse of the entire field.
1: I'll keep an eye on it. Um, I haven't really paid attention to it that much, frankly. Um, I know it's near it's near the line of scrimmage because you can see uh, Rogers and Lafleur bicker at each other every once in a while. I think they're I think they're he usually ends up behind, uh, not in front of you know the 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 uh,
2: line of scrimmage, I guess. The only reason I know that is because Shanahan has Shanahan shenanigans on the sideline, where if Jimmy misses a throw or somebody misses a block, he just lets it all hang out, his emotions, man. He wears emotions on his sleeve, and it's hilarious.
1: It's very, like, Lane Kiffin-ish. I've seen it before where, you know, you you get the all-22, and you can see the sideline, and you see, you know, they're running leak, which is basically, like, uh, the tight end. The tight end basically just creeps across the field you like kind of forget about him and then he just mm. like pops up up the sideline and you just see Shanahan like before the ball's even thrown and he's like giving the touchdown Good. sign. Good. You
0: know?
1: Yep. Yep. Okay, let's talk about this offense then. San Francisco. Offensive line, how 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 are they doing? Alex Mack is back uh with Shanahan. He was great with him at, in Atlanta. Um Mack probably wasn't the player uh that he was under Shanahan late um with the with the Falcons you know uh last season
2: so what what is that like so as far as Mac goes he's probably not yeah as you mentioned he's not going to be the same player that people would remember him at his peak but he's 36 so that's to be expected right I don't think he was brought in here to pancake 300 uh, 300 pound defensive tackles he was brought into so Jimmy stays upright he was brought in so you know they can scan the field so they're not having free rushers because that was a Big problem last year. And I think, you know, he's calling protections out. He's he's telling the guard next to him, Daniel Brunskill, who is a former AF player who's, you know, still really green. So he's helping him out a lot. And Jimmy admitted that he's helping himself out, too. So, uh, I mean, the real offensive line, um, the gym is Trent Williams, who is unreal. Somehow keeps getting better. I don't know how it's possible. Dude, uh, it, last year he, he was the best left tackle in football last year period. So he's, he's better through two games. And I'm not that exaggerating means. when I say that. Yeah. He, I don't know if he just, if he gets beat or <laughs> what's going on, but his athleticism, his strength, like he knows all the tricks and the trades of playing offensive line. He has a couple go-to moves that defensive line is still yet to figure out. He works really well in tandem with the guy next to him, like in Thomason. And essentially George Kittle's an extra offensive lineman. I don't know if you said you didn't get a chance to watch the Eagles, but uh, he's taking edge defenders one-on-one, and he's burying them. It's it's pretty crazy. So uh, the rushing lanes are there, and they're also giving Jimmy G, you know, a nice clean pocket. So no complaints from the offensive line. That was a little bit of a worry coming in just because didn't know what to expect, but they are playing very well up front. Can you say the same about the Packers' pass rush?
1: <laughs> we, uh, you know, they're the last sackless defense in the NFL, and they also <laughs> don't rush the passer well. You know,
2: that's tough. (laughs)
1: Uh, They got they got one team sack because Jared Goff's small hands couldn't handle a wet ball. So he dropped it on the ground and then covered it. Um, They didn't even give Rashawn Gary the credit for it. Uh, Rashawn Gary basically did a bull rush and then like was roughly in the vicinity of Jared Goff. But they didn't they didn't credit him with it. So they got a team sack, but a player has not registered a sack for the Packers. Uh, Zero tackles for losses two games into the NFL season. Not a great start um it's definitely more of the like a uh defensive end than nose tackle issue obviously Kenny Clark is a, still a very good football player. problem is he's getting double teamed a lot um you know Dean Lowry Kings of Kiki Tyler Lancaster to Daryl Slayton um, are the other guys on the defensive line because they haven't activated uh, UDFA, uh rookie UDFA Jack Heflin, who they probably should start adding into the rotation because you need more than five defensive tackles when you're going to play a bunch of base three, four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely worry that about that a little bit. I guess the big thing that I would say is like, uh, how about those running backs? Are you going to be able to take advantage? <laughs> Are you going to be able to take advantage of these, these run lanes? Cause I know what Mitchell's a little banged up. I know use check went down during the game and then I think he came back. Hasty's banged up. You guys just picked up Trenton cannon from uh waivers off of Baltimore he actually got into games for Baltimore and then you guys uh picked up Jaquez Patrick my boy hey. your boy hey. you're from Flo- you're a Florida State fan right so
2: got, got Chris Thompson
1: too yeah we've we've both seen them so um Jaquez Patrick was in the XFL um I think he deserves another shot in the league he's a good inside runner but you know in this outside outside zone scheme I don't necessarily see how he's kind of
2: built to uh take advantage of Green Bay you know. So you mentioned Hasty. He's out. He has a high ankle sprain. Elijah Mitchell has a shoulder that Shanahan said was worse than a stinger. He was not at practice on Thursday. He's probably not going to play. Trey mm-hmm. Sermon is in the concussion protocol, but he's he has been practicing with a blue non-contact jersey. He's probably going to be the bell cow. He's going to be the guy who carries the ball. I imagine it's going to be him, on Johnson, and maybe um Trent Cannon or one of the practice-wide guys that they just signed up, like Patrick. But I think it's going to be a lot of sermon. And I actually think he's going to go off this game. I think he's he's a lot better than, you know, since he was a healthy scratch and since he just really hasn't played. People are kind of down on him and saying he's a bust, He's this. He's that. But I think, you know, Shanahan was just challenging him pretty much and the same with Brandon. Are so I do think they will be able to take advantage and. Oddly enough, even though, you know, Elijah Mitchell had rushed for over 100 yards in the first game, uh, most of that came on that 30, 38 yard touchdown. But he he's leaving a lot of meat on the bone. There are I don't want to be the screenshot guy on Twitter that posts like (laughs) um, holes here. But he definitely has, uh, I would say, three runs last game where if it was Raheem Mostert, I felt like he would have scored on those plays. So um, there is no doubt that the running game will improve. And I honestly think it could be as simple as putting a different running back in there who is just more patient and, you know, finds the cutback, doesn't run into the line of, you know, the backs of his offensive line full speed with his eyes down. And that's going to be the biggest difference, I think. So um, I really think they're going to have some success on the ground.
1: Trey's interesting because you can run a lot of a lot more gap stuff with him. Right. I think. Which they have, which they do. Right, exactly. I mean, they have a tough offensive line. I mean, Alex Mack's been in this system before Trent Williams on down blocks. That's not fun. I mean, that's nope. really, I, I think that's where the difference between like Trent Williams and even like David Bakhtiari come in um, when I called Trent, you know, the top left tackle in football. It's, it's not necessarily pass protection. I mean, it is amazing how Trent can move at his size. Um, Bak is probably a better uh, pass pro guy, but on those down blocks and stuff, I mean, Trent Williams will knock your defensive lineman off the ball. Um, so he'll take you from fun. like the C to the A gap. Right. And then McGlinchey isn't bad either. So, and and Tomlinson has kind of been that guy, you know, I mean, he's a, he's basically just a run blocker. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. Um, that won't necessarily be fun outside of Kittle. I mean, how do you guys use the tight ends and, and fullbacks? I mean, obviously use check is kind of like that, that combo mismatch guy too, but, is there any other tight end that we gotta
2: worry about other than Kittle and I guess Ushack? Not through the air, but they, they have Ross Duelli and Charlie Warner. Like those are their two those two backups play, and it's really just like coming across the line of scrimmage on like split zone action. Or mm-hmm. if they'll go YY, they'll use the guys to kick, you know, kick the edge guy out or just climb to the second level. They're they're not asking much of them, but they will play, but mostly they'll be involved in the running game. For uh
1: Packers fans, I guess the reflection of that on the Packers roster would be like uh Josiah DeGuara or I guess even um what's his name? Dominique Daphne. Uh they kind of use them as like smaller tight ends who can like move across the formation, find a way to get involved in the blocking game some way. All right. Passing game wise, I mean Jimmy. Let's talk about it. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> can't I mean what kind like we we talk about scripts really early on in the season and just kind of like how game flow works out, probably because of how that New Orleans game played out, right? Where they basically got the ball for like two drives, if you even want to call it that. And then the game just like kind of spun out of hand. Like what do the Packers have to do to get this game to spin out of hand for Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: Yeah, I mean, he has missed open throws and that's nothing new. Um, The (laughs) the one way to do is just to make him uncomfortable, make him hitch, hitch, and have to go through get off that first read so when I say that the 49ers kind of scrapped their game plan early against the Eagles that was because what Josh Sweat did to Mike McGlinchey on the first play um, I don't know if you have a Josh Sweat so it might not be an issue but really if if you just take away the intermediate part of the field like I don't know that he want he doesn't really look down the field most of it he has two attempts beyond 20 yards to give you an idea of where Jimmy G is looking to throw the ball but Um, honestly, you have to do something with the receivers, get in their face because they'll just RPO you to death, uh, throw quick, get into guys like Debo and Kittle's hands, and they're just going to run through your face afterwards. So um, you really have to put the game into Jimmy G's hands, which teams always try to do. But when you get ahead of the chains, when you get it to third and four, third and three, you can't do that. And the 49ers have had a few, I think they have four or five double digit drives, double digit play drives in the first two games. So they they really wear you down. And a lot of that is just because they can get ahead of the chains on early downs.
1: Yeah, they started pressing more, uh, the Packers did, in week two um, when they started changing up defensively. Uh, you know, the rookie Stokes ended up playing a lot more than I thought on first watch. It'll be interesting to see how they use them. I mean, this defense is definitely going to change. Um, you know, Vernon Scott hasn't been able to be active for the entire regular season uh he got he was banged up with a ham, um, i guess a pretty bad hamstring injury throughout the summer so he hasn't really been able to get in so the packers have only had three safeties so like three safety looks aren't really viable and then you know channon sullivan's i believe he had an ankle uh injury that kind of held him out early in the week he's kind of their slot back but you know in the game they were using king stokes and alexander and kind of moving those guys around more and playing more uh press coverage i guess um at least pre-snap so that was interesting I, I wonder if that continues and really i kind of wonder what the next step for this defense is because i think after you make that corner switch it's like all right how else can you improve if you're not going to bring in outside defensive linemen i think the probably the answer to pressure is using a guy like Oren burks i don't remember if you ever saw him coming out of the draft the he hasn't Andy? played that much yep the guy from vandy form former safety um it seems like he really is like kind of coming into his own in this system in that like they're using him to like blitz from depth which like (laughs) if you have an undersized inside linebacker who's very fast that's probably the way that you want to use him you know what i mean so late insert yep exactly so i i wonder if they start inserting him into the lineup a little bit more they used him in like dime looks like very uh pass heavy situations i guess is the best way to explain it Um, so I guess there's kind of a way to take advantage of Jimmy there. I mean, obviously we have to see him. The game's got to get played. Um, but Trey Lance, Trey Lance didn't get a snap last week. What's that about? I thought he was going to be a package guy.
2: I thought so too. But again, that last week made sense why he didn't play just because on the road, um, you don't really want him to go against that defensive line. There wasn't really a part in the game flow where you felt comfortable putting him in the game because if you pull him or if he, he comes in and you pull Jimmy, after Jimmy misses those throws, it's going to look like you're benching Jimmy, which, you know, the whole PR, you know, politics part of football, you can't do that. I think, especially with the running backs banged up, which pretty much all of them are banged up, why not take advantage of Trey Lance's legs this week? I think we will see more of him, Sermon, Ayuk, like all of the guys, because as much as we talk about, you know, just these guys being in the doghouse, quote unquote, none of this happens if they're playing the Packers or the Seahawks or the Cardinals week one, so. I think when I mentioned playing coast to the vest, there's no real reason to show everything you want to show in those first few games or in those first couple of games on the road. Home opener against the Packers, everybody to see. I think we're going to see a lot of that zone read, is all that QB counter, QB bash, counter bash, uh, you name it, man. I, I imagine it'll be up the gut, but I do want to see how they spin off of that. Is is my real question. I think Lance is going to play, but to what extent, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting. Mina Kimes, I was on her podcast yesterday, and she put that in the universe, you know, make it the Trey Lance game. And I was like, please, no. Please, <laughs> that is not what you no. want. Yeah. That yeah, no, man. I've seen I've seen the Packers 3-4 defense get eaten by an option quarterback for, for the Niners in big games before. I, I do not like it. The one thing that I will say, and I think I think we touched on this for the NFL University show too, was you know, RPOs and the option are kind of tied in together in that like, uh, you can do them out of the same formations out of the gun. Right. And it's an interesting way to basically get, um, keep the defense honest from cheating the back. Right. Cause if you have an offset back, Kyle, let's say you're my running back, right. You're lined up to my left. The defense knows you have to cross over to my right to get the ball. You know right. what I mean? So a lot of the ways that these defenses are structured, um, at every level, I mean, you can see it at high school level. I'm sure you're seeing it right now in Arizona. Teams, teams, if you line up in the gun, they're going to cheat and they're going to set their front opposite of your back because that's the way 10 that the back of 10 has top. to go to get the ball, you know. And RPO, it's happening on the back side of the play, so you have to stay honest there. And same thing with the option, it's happening on the back side of the play. Um, the way that they complement each other, how do you stop RPO? Well, you got to press them, you got to play man. Here's the problem: if you start running the option and uh, Instead of throwing a slant, you tell that wide receiver, "Hey, go block the safety." But the corner is mm-hmm. in man, and he thinks, "Hey, that's a slant." Oh, wait, that's the safety. You're reading the end man on the line of scrimmage. He bites the running back. Now the sideline is open. You know that corner has to crack or place that, um, and that's a very tough thing to do, especially when everything looks the same. So,
2: oh yeah, I mean, there's there's that. There's also, and the Cardinals have started to do this a little bit where they'll ride out the run fake. They'll bluff the block and then they'll turn that into a route, which is pretty much cheating, especially with the way linemen are downfield these days. But uh, there are so many different ways. And then you add in what Shanahan does before the snap with all the moving parts. We talk about that late insert uh, with Burks potentially blitzing. Um, They do a lot of just that backside drift route where it's just, you know, pitch and catch. He's just that backside slant is just replacing where the linebackers came from. So. Uh, it's really tough man with all the moving parts with all the pre-snap motion i know week one the 49ers motion before the snap 87 percent of the time which was by far Goodness. and away the most yeah it's by far and away the most in the nfl um they're gonna move they're gonna mess with your eyes they're gonna high low you and uh jimmy does actually do a really good job of knowing where to go with the ball in that situation so if it's just that type of offense it, it will be very tough
1: um Last thing uh about the off or about the Niners offense before we hit break. Um w- one of the things that I'm worried about, we saw it a little bit against New Orleans. Um speaking of like defensive structure for Green Bay. Um lining up to YY is gonna be a problem in base. Uh they play it in an under, which gives a bubble on the front side. The Saints took advantage of it. The Lions really didn't. Um I don't think that the Saints necessarily had the offensive line that even the Lions had, um, in terms of just like pure pure talent, but they definitely were more creative. I think the problem that you're gonna get into against the Niners is their offensive line is probably on par with with the Saints in general, if not better. And their play caller is just as creative. So I wouldn't be surprised if you end up getting uh and when I say why why I mean uh basically uh two tight ends lined up right next to each other. Um, the reason that presents a problem is because the cornerback then has to fit on the outside edge essentially. so he's basically kind of like almost like a defensive end in the run fit. um yeah. there's a lot of interesting things uh that teams can do doing that, especially you know, you know what what if we option him then then who's outside of him? you know th- those kind of problems kind of present um and Shanahan definitely runs that stuff and when those YY guys are kittle and uh use check. And you can pass out of it as well as run out of it. And you can kind of get into it, into the option game with Trey Lance. That, that's, that's a lot of a problems finish. to solve for. That's <laughs> a lot so of problems bad. to solve for, man. Yeah. And then
2: by, by the cornerback walking up, you essentially can control what you want to do as far as passing behind him or just to that side of the ball, too. So you can do so much with that out of that formation. I love it.
1: Yeah. Nub stuff, YY stuff. Nub is just like one tight end by himself but no one outside of him it it creates a short edge that's basically what it does um all right we're gonna take a break and then when we come back to break we'll talk about the san francisco 49ers defense All right, and we're back with Kyle Posey from Niners Nation. So let's talk about this defense for a little bit. Through two weeks of the season, who
2: are kind of the breakout guys for the 49ers? So I don't think people are aware of how good their safeties are. They're not really breakout because they're veterans and they've been in the league for a while, but they ask a lot from their safeties, whether it's being one-on-one, carrying three down the field, or fitting the run, playing on the line of scrimmage sometimes. Uh, for Jimmy Ward, they'll just walk him down in the slot and say, "Hey, take this dude. You got him." And he's very good at all of those things. And so is Jaworski Tart. So, I would say both of the safeties have been very, very good this year. Um, your guy, Diamondor Lenore, um, looks like Let's go the ducks, Barbara. baby. He—I uh, didn't know that he could run. So I know he ran fast, but he did give up a 91-yarder last week. But it was really just him falling asleep, and I don't think he expected that route. He looks like he can cover, too. So one of the big questions coming in was the secondary. Obviously, no Jason Verrett. Emmanuel Mosley was the other starter. He's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, He has practiced all week, but I think it's going to come down to Lenore if he can make plays because there will be a bullseye on his back. Um, He has played well through two weeks, but he hasn't faced any type of receiver close to the caliber of Devontae Adams, obviously. So uh, I want to see how he goes against the best of the best, not just this week, but the next – three weeks, but it's probably Lenore after the safeties. Okay.
1: So cornerback, a little banged up. That's good to know. Hopefully MVS oh, can yeah. uh, bring one down this week. He got four targets, no receptions last week. One hit the back of a defender's head. One was just off of his hands. I think one, he slipped down. Not, not great. Not necessarily. That's a good start. Big, then. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, you wish it were better. You know, it's, it's not his fault, but um linebacker level obviously Fred Warner he is great at football he is the best coverage linebacker in the sport i think outside of that who you got
2: yeah so real quick on Warner he is playing more physical this year i don't know what's going on but he's taking his physicality to another level and yeah he's i don't know how he keeps getting better uh Aziz shire is the other guy so Dre Greenlaw went down with an injury he's on the IR Al Shire, sneaky, might be better than Greenlaw, so I don't think there's much of a drop-off. He doesn't have the same, like, sideline-to-sideline side speed, but he's just way more aggressive coming downhill, fitting the run. And he's not the same type of athlete, but I think he's smart enough and he's aware enough in coverage where there's not really a drop-off. So uh, they're, they're really good on the second level, man. That's interesting.
1: Uh, Green Bay is doing a lot of weird stuff with their tight ends right now. I mean, they're basically uh, – DeGuara was hurt. Um, he sustained a concussion in week one, but they rotated the other three kind of like tight end bodies that they have. Um, Daphne, who we already talked about is kind of like that slicer, uh, almost fullback typey guy. He doesn't really get the ball as much as he's just kind of a blocker. Mercedes Lewis, who, I mean, he's an unbalanced offensive tackle at this point. Um, that's who he is. And he's great in that role. And then Robert Tanyan, who's a pass catcher. I mean, they split the reps almost straight down the middle with all three of them. So that's kind of good.
2: As his numbers would suggest
1: he's a really good pass catcher i mean i certainly like having him on the roster a lot more than jimmy graham I'll tell you that i mean he a lot the- yeah i mean they paid jimmy graham a lot of money buddy
0: <laughs> uh
1: yeah um really the question that i have on the packers offense is uh i guess the guard positions i mean josh myers is a rookie center he's been doing pretty solid billy turner's held his own which is kind of all you can ask from him. Um, Elton Jenkins is doing very well at left tackle. He got beat a couple of times, but for a guard kicking outside and a guy who plays all five positions, he's doing about as good as you could ever ask for. Lucas Patrick had a concussion that happened literally the last play of week one. Um, He was active for last game, missed a couple couple practices. Uh, But what ended up happening is they basically used him as like a reserve player. They played him on like PAT team, but they didn't have him go into the game. They actually started John Runyon Jr. at left guard. He did pretty good. Um, It'll be interesting to see what their guard rotate or like who starts at left guard going into this week. And then Royce Newman, their rookie right guard, fourth round pick. He looked really good in the preseason. He struggled a little bit more in the regular season. I'm not sure really uh, if Patrick or Newman should be starting. I guess it's more of the question because I think Runyon proved enough that he should be playing, but I guess we'll see. You know, whenever Elton Jenkins comes in, I think it's probably going to be Jenkins and Ryan at guard and then Patrick and Newman will come off the bench. But I guess we'll have to see when, when box healthy. Um, the defensive line for the San Francisco
2: 49ers, goodness gracious. Do you. This is gluttony, isn't it? It should not be allowed. Like somebody, somebody should have to step in and say, hey, there's too much talent on this line. Uh, we need to break it up. The They play on the other side of the line of scrimmage almost every down. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, more Ducks love. Eric Armstead has been very freaking good so far. He doesn't have, like, the sack numbers to back it up, but he's in the backfield all the time. And there were a few plays uh, last game against the Eagles where he's just walking guys back, and honestly, he's putting them on their backs. And then you get to passing down. So you went on first down. You went on second down. You get into third and long situations, and then they go uh, – Let's say they put Arden Key on the edge, and next to him will be D4 lined up on the outside shoulder of the tackle, and next to him will be this guy named Nick Bosa, and he's going to go against your right guard, and there's nobody who can help him, and that's when it's good night. Um, when they get when they get teams in obvious passing downs, that's when D'Amico Ryans gets creative and gets crazy, and he's just pretty much going to say, I'm going to bring five. He's going to walk Warner up, and they're just going to come at you. Everybody gets a one-on-one, and you just – if the quarterback had obviously not this week, but if the quarterback is just a little shaky at all, then there's just not much they can do. But the front is just really ridiculous as far as winning one on one, playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and just winning.
1: It's tough, man. I mean, Eric Armstead at this point looks like he's going to have like a Cam Hayward type of career. I pro- I think that's probably the best comparison for him for like an established vet in the league. Not that like Armstead hasn't been in the league since 2015, but I don't think people really know him as a brand, I guess. Nick Bosa, I mean, at some point he's going to be the highest paid defensive player in the sports history. Um, That's coming up the pike. D. Ford, obviously a good pass rusher. Samson Ibukam, quietly a good pass rusher. uh, Javon Kinlaw, he was the best pass rusher, pass rushing defensive tackle in the 2020 draft class. Contavious Street is kind of like a, What does he even play for you guys? Because he was kind of like a hybrid end tackle, but he could get after the
2: quarterback too. Yeah, so he plays a little bit of one, a little bit of three. Uh, He mixes. He pretty much subs in for Kinlaw. It's between Kinlaw, DJ Jones, and Street. Like there's so much strength there.
1: DJ Jones can get after the quarterback too. He's explosive off
2: the ball. That's if you if you didn't know any better last week, the two best players on the line were Armstead and Jones. Like Jones was throwing dudes out of the way. Arm over. Uh, He is. He's so good. I don't, I don't even have words to describe how good he is. There aren't stats to back this up, but I would confidently say that he was, he's probably up there in your favorite pass rush win rate set.
1: <laughs> the shoulder pad chips. They've, <laughs> they've never been wrong before. Uh, I talked to, uh, I think the second highest graded guy is uh, the nose tackle from Jacksonville, who our buddy Eric Stoner, I was texting him, and he was like, "Dude, this nose tackle is the worst player I've ever seen." I looked up like two, I I looked up like uh, two minutes later because I was I was bullying Mina Kimes about the Packers' run stop win rate because they were ranked like fourth in the league, even though they don't have a single tackle for loss. So I I sent it to him. It was the same guy, and he goes, "The number two guy on their list was literally benched last week." So,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. Guys, I think uh, measuring football talent through shoulder pad chips is kind of bad process.
2: Might like not that. work, huh?
1: Yeah, I think there's some limitations there. Not not to say that they're doing it. I mean, ESPN probably told them, do the best that you can. We're just trying to make hashtag content. It, it's probably not the content creator's fault, but uh, we're, we're probably going to have to do a little, little better than that, guys. So I'm actually more worried about this San Francisco defensive line than I am of the offense just because of how you guys deployed, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance last week. Cause I'm not really that worried about
2: Jimmy. No. And, and I can, you, well, you have no reason to be based on what you've seen so far. So yeah, that's for sure. Fair. But if we get back to the defensive line, I don't think they've played as well as they could have, which is pretty crazy to say. I think that, you know, we're in a situation, especially, you know, home crowd. They The defense in 2019 lived off the home crowd. Like they, every, it seemed like every third down before the snap, you know, they're jumping up and down, waving up and down to, to get the crowd going up. And when that happens, man, they feed off each other. So I'm uh, interested I sure to see who all plays or how much they play. Javon Kinlaw played 72% of the snaps last week, which was a ton. I don't really think he was over 60 last year at all. But if you give a defensive tackle, I mean, those uh, are big it's goals. a ton. So he's playing like the one a lot of times too. So he's having to hold his point against double teams. Uh, that's not easy. It's not an easy ask at all. So, um, but he played at a high level. So why not leave him out there if he's going to be playing like that?
1: Yeah, that's more than fair. I I just I'm not buying it, man. I'm not, I'm not buying the hey they they're not playing as good as uh. As they probably should be, just, you know, don't worry about them. I'd be freaked out every night if I'm Matt LaFleur. Oh, I'm no, no, no. Like three hours of sleep.
2: <laughs> to be clear, I'm saying they're going to be better than they have been. I think right. this is more of a coming out type of party to show people who they are. I, I really think, you know, players feed off of that, When you know, whether it's numbers, whether it's not having a home game, whether it's playing on a primetime game, that they know all eyes will be on them, so they're going to want to show out.
1: Yeah. And both coaching staffs have already talked about it, um, about the crowd noise. I mean, I saw Shanahan early on in the week was like, yeah, get to the parking lot, you know, as soon as possible, drink, play cornhole, get real rowdy for this game. (laughs) It's Sunday night football. There's a long, uh, there's a long track before the game. And then the Packers were talking about how, you know, they're implementing their silent count stuff a lot more, you know, during practice this week. So sound, I mean, sound is a factor. I mean, it makes it tough on a lot of things. Um, you know, it was one of the weirdest things that I learned about how college football teams mitigate sound. I was, it was when I was working with the XFL and we were talking to um, an SEC coach who was basically like, yeah, LSU just steals a bunch of signs. And Joe Burrow might not be that guy at the NFL level because like what LSU is doing is like not really replicable uh, for the NFL football. But he was saying Lane Kiffin, his whistle is how he audibles. And apparently that whistle carries even in, you know, in stadiums of crowds of a hundred thousand people.
2: Interesting. I would never guess that. No, it's
1: so, it's so, it's so weird. Like the, the gremlin brain of coaches where they're like, no, I like need this tool. And the way that they're able to find uh, ways to make those tools like actually functional.
2: It's weird. I wonder what all, I wonder what all they had to go through to get to the whistle to work.
1: <laughs> you think he, you think he had to like uh you think he trained for the whistle like he had to learn like a
2: whistling technique <laughs> well yeah there's no way they started with the whistle and were like okay this is what we need it was probably some other bs and then gravitated toward the or evolved towards using that whistle
1: yeah um okay predictions what what do you got bud Woo! i
2: think it's going to say, be it with, your say it with your chest say with your chest that start and then we're going to see, you know, defense start to settle in. 27-21 home team.
1: I'm with you. I just hope that it doesn't spin out of control. Um ah. I really hope I really hope that uh they're able to keep up in this game. I mean, obviously when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, it's great. I'm just not confident enough in the defense right now. Um they might not be deploying their guys in the right way. They might not be able being They might not be uh, calling the right plays in the right situations, Um, having the same having the right, uh, I guess, like level of aggressiveness for what the situation demands. um, Those are kind of my concerns right now. Um, Hopefully, you know, the combination of Jimmy Garoppolo and that rotating cast of running backs is enough to keep Green Bay in the game uh, as they try to kind of like figure themselves out throughout the season or. You know, maybe Joe Barry has something hidden, you know, in his sleeve, but I'm not necessarily going to count on that. I think San Francisco wins. It's short, you know, one score. Um, hopefully the Packers don't start start out uh, one and two, but I'm a lot less confident in this game than I was the first two games of the season, and they got drubbed the first game of the year, and they let the Lions uh, stay, you know, neck and neck with them for the first half of last week.
2: I was more confident in – the Eagles keeping close last week than the Packers would this week. Just oh, a that's
1: up. a tough pill to swallow. Oh, yeah, we're gonna clip that if uh, do if it. we win. So I'm gonna make yeah. you eat that one. All Love right, it. tell the people where to find you, KP.
2: You can find me at KP underscore show on Twitter. Every now and then I'll drop something on YouTube under Kyle Posey. So please subscribe so I can feed my family.
1: Out of boy, and subscribe to uh, the APC feed. Keep reading the website, click on ads, things of that nature, five-star reviews, comments, everything helps. Thanks, guys.